We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. Good morning, everyone. You're tuned in to 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. This is Evidence of Design. I'm your host, Jason Taylor, joined in WXIR studio by my good friend and co-host, Mary Lawrence. Good morning. Folks, it's Saturday, June 12th, 2021. If that is the same date for you, then hey, we're live. We'd love to hear from you throughout the hour on evidence of design. What are we talking about, though? What do we want to hear from you about? Golly, this week there is bombshell reporting from ProPublica and lots of other news organizations that followed up about how, newsflash, Mary, newsflash, how the wealthy get away from paying their fair share of income and wealth taxes. What? I know. I know. We've never talked about such a topic before. But hey, in all seriousness, the reporting that has come out this week and the, and the greater attention given to this phenomenon is really helpful because it raises more awareness in the public consciousness about how unequal our society is because the wealthiest Americans have rigged the political and economic system, in our opinion, to perpetuate their increasing share of income, wealth, and also political power. ProPublica has received... Uh, a never-before-accessed trove of IRS files that detail how much, or really, how little taxes that the wealthiest Americans pay. We're talking about the names that we all know, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Jeff Bezoses, the Elon Musks, the Michael Bloombergs, the Warren Buffetts, all of those folks. How little taxes they pay. In many cases, we, as sort of the the more middle-to-lower-income Americans pay a greater share of taxes than these multi-billionaires. I'm sort of joking about this because, hey, it's not newsflash to us. That's what we cover on Evidence of Design all the time. Our show, Evidence of Design, is all about critiquing income and wealth inequality. We think there is way too much economic inequality in society, and we don't think it's here by accident. We also don't think it's inevitable. We think our society is economically unequal because of the policies and practices put in place place by our leadership and by the super wealthy and by our, basically, our, our aristocracy in the United States. That's what we cover here in Evidence of Design, and we're glad you can join us on 100.9 FM WXIR. Again, we're live, so we'd love to hear from you by giving us a call at 585-219-8889. Again, 585-219-8889. You can also reach us on Facebook. 
or Twitter at Radio EOD, or send us an email at Radio EOD at gmail.com. EOD, of course, stands for Evidence of Design. Mary, how are we doing on the Facebook Live? Any luck with that? We are about to go live in two seconds. And uh, you can hop on and see Jason and Matt on the camera. Awesome. So I'm going to be looking at this camera, not that camera or that camera. You know, there's a lot of cameras. There are a lot of cameras. A lot of microphones in the studio. We're using the webcam today, and I can swing it around and say hello as well if you've never seen the inside of wxir studios it's pretty awesome check it out folks go on to radio eod that's our facebook page see us live streaming in the studio you ever seen the magic of how a radio program is produced (laughs) i mean you're not going to get a better show than watching us folks here at evidence of design i say folks because we're joined by my other good friend and studio host matt treadwell matt welcome hi try again matt your mic is on now Hi. Hey, there you go. You can also see me swallow my mask. I have like, uh, I forgot my mask, so I have like a, a, a spare one here, and it's it's really small, and I keep chewing on it as I talk. It's really fun. I, I can't wait to see 10 years from now all the medical reports of how many fibers we've inhaled from all these masks, you know. Um, don't know if that's going to be a thing, but... I'm not going to be here. I certainly, <laughs> I certainly feel like I'm... <laughs> my uh, body composition is half fiber <laughs> mask fiber now <laughs> yeah the first time you use one of those disposable ones i i always like especially in the height of the pandemic i'd put a new mask on and then i'd go to the store and be like coughing like crazy because <laughs> the fibers were irritating my throat and i was like this everyone's just gonna think i have covid <laughs> but i just can't breathe because the mask is it's only the first time though now i just wear fabric ones all the time i remember the first week of covid you know like when things were really scary, you know, didn't know what was going on. Uh, the food in the grocery stores were out. You know, you saw those s- scary pictures of, of no milk <laughs> or eggs or cereal or meat. The horror. <laughs> the, the horror, you know. I'm going to have to eat my canned tuna fish that I've stocked up for the for the end times. Um, you know, I, I was in the grocery store the first week of COVID and I, I coughed. <laughs> it's like everyone, everyone around me, meaning the six people who were brave enough to venture out to the grocery store, then um, we're all looking at me <laughs> like I was a zombie, and every, I was scared every myself. Every head around you turned in your direction. <laughs> yeah, I coughed once. I was like, "Oh my god, I am What's dying. happening right now?" <laughs> Here it comes. Uh, I'll never forget that. Yeah, it was like it was really weird. It's like all of a sudden, I feel bad for folks who just like sort of. You know, who have sort of, I don't know, asthma or just uh, chronic <laughs> coughing or whatnot. And that's like, cough. it's like suddenly became socially stigmatized to have to clear your airways, but not so much. Hey, you know, I, I'm glad we're in the positive trajectory with COVID, at least here in the United States. And, and hopefully it keeps going that way. And um, golly, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a two years. But hey, folks, let's talk about taxes <laughs> this hour with great reporting that came out this week, again from ProPublica and among others. I'm just going to read to us the titles of some of the some of the articles we're going to get into today. So the, the bombshell report, again by ProPublica, this week, the title is The Secret IRS Files, Trove of Never-Before-Seen Records Reveal How the Wealthiest Avoid Income Tax. That's by Jesse Eisenhower, Jeff Ernsthausen, and Paul Keel. I, I know I pronounced all of those correctly, so... Uh, that's great. But definitely, definitely check out these articles. Again, ProPublica, The Secret IRS Files. We're also going to get into some reporting by Mother Jones. 
their articles called it's not just income taxes billionaires don't pay inheritance taxes either that one is by michael mechanic his last name is literally spelled mechanic I yeah i was wondering about that last night yeah is that a thing with mother jones where they all just have different labor last names i'm not Your sure pseudonyms they're all superheroes really right <laughs> New York Times, private inequity, how a powerful industry conquered the tax system. That one is by Jesse Drucker and Danny Hakeem. Also New York Times, meager rewards for workers, exceptionally rich pay for CEOs. That one is by Peter Evis. Just those four articles came out this week. There's many, many more. All detailing in great you know, information, specificity about how the wealthy avoid paying taxes in the United States. I'd just like to say that I did the reading this time. I'm very prepared. I'm ready to discuss the intricacies and nuances of grits, grats, uh, (laughs) guts, guns, gods, and gore. (laughs) Gods, guns, grits, and glory by Mike Huckabee. (laughs) No, Matt, you're, you're referring to acronyms the alphabet soup of (laughs) financial um activities that the wealthy use to avoid paying taxes this was detailed in that aforementioned mother jones article about yeah it's it's literally just alphabet soup eight or nine different financial incentives and strategies and loopholes that the wealthy can use to not pay taxes for the next 50 minutes most of what we're going to talk about is probably not going to make a lot of sense not to us not to most listeners and it's it's meant to be that way right our tax system is meant to be inscrutable so that the wealthy who have the resources to take advantage of this arcade system can get away with it if it was transparent they couldn't get away with the things they get away with so it's meant to be not transparent it's meant to be complicated and if you feel at a loss when you try to get into the tax system and understand how things work if you feel like golly i don't i don't really know what's going on Maybe I just, you know, I'm just going to give up on this. Don't do that. That's what is meant to happen for you to give up on trying to understand it. And you don't need to be an expert in it. Don't feel pressured to be an expert either. Just try to get a sense of what's going on and understand what's happening and try to get a sense of what we can do to fix it. So again, don't feel bad about stumbling over all the details of this stuff. It's meant for you to feel bad about it because that way the wealthy can get away with it. Well, hey, let's take the ProPublica reporting to start with. Again, this is evidence of design. I'm 100.9 FM, WXIR in Rochester. The secret file, the secret IRS files by ProPublica this week. To quote that article, they say they the authors write taken together. The well, let, let me half quote it. it. Says taken together, the current tax system demolishes the cornerstone myth of America that everyone pays their fair share and the richest Americans pay the most. Well, according to the IRS, records show that the wealthiest can, indeed perfectly legally, pay income taxes that are only a tiny fraction of the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, that their fortunes grow each year. That was not an exact quote, but gets to the heart and mainly using their words of what they're talking about. So whereas normal everyday Americans live paycheck to paycheck, the median household income in the United States is $70,000. And on average, Americans will pay about 14% of their income 
in federal taxes. Well, the highest top marginal tax rate in the United States is 37%, but it just turns out the wealthy basically never pay the top income tax rate of 37%. And ProPublica goes into detail how that happens. For instance, by the end of 2018, just the top 25 wealthiest Americans were worth $1.1 trillion. That's more than the GDP of many countries on this planet. Not just that, but uh, they had a, a helpful metric in there of how many average Americans that was equal to, which was, you know, for the same as 25 people, 14.3 million average Americans have that much money right. altogether. So the top 25 wealthiest Americans, $1.1 trillion dollars. It would take 14.3 million average Americans to have that much money. <laughs> and here's the kicker, though. The federal tax bill for the top 25 wealthiest Americans in 2018 was $1.9 billion. Sounds like a lot of money, right? $1.9 billion. It's a, it's, it's a big number. Well, the tax bill for those 14.3 million Americans was 143 billion so over a hundred percent more <laughs> so normal americans are paying staggeringly higher shares of in income taxes than the wealthiest income earners of course you're talking about way more americans compared to a smaller amount of wealthy people but proportionally wealthier people pay much much less of the total share of tax burden you know jason so i'm hearing two really important words in here and that's income and wealth and how those are different and and one of the things i thought was so fascinating about this article is that it really talks about how those things are extremely different when it comes to taxes and so we're talking about income tax yep. right yeah there are multiple different types of taxes in the united states for most of us we are only concerned with income taxes that's the stuff, of course, that comes due uh, in April, and we report all of our income for the year, and then we are taxed at a rate according to our total income, income tax. That was created in the early 20th century by the federal government to fund really World War I, and also to rein in the gross economic inequalities of that gilded age. We're talking about J.P. Morgan, John Rockefeller, Carne uh, Andrew Carnegie, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the history of taxation comes out of that part of U.S. history. Today, income taxes are what matters to most Americans because most Americans only get money through income, meaning trading your labor for pay. There are other types of taxes, though. There's corporate tax rate, so that's the, that's the rate at which corporations are taxed. There's capital gains tax. That's the tax at, uh, through gains in investments, say, stocks, bonds, or other assets. There's the estate tax. That's the tax on inheritance when someone who's grossly wealthy passes away. So when it comes to income taxes, ProPublica is really going into looking at income taxes 
not so much wealth taxes, although it does cover that. Why? It's because the United States doesn't have a wealth tax. We don't have a wealth tax. Your wealth can increase. Your assets can increase by uh, an infinite amount in the year, and not, and not necessarily will that be taxed because we're only covering income taxes. And so millionaires and billionaires can have a ridiculous amount of income or a ridiculous amount of wealth. Either way, they can avoid paying their fair share of taxes on those through different systems. For example, according to the ProPublica report, the wealthiest Americans, let's just look at the top 25 wealthiest Americans, they saw their collective net worth rise $401 billion from 2014 to 2018. They paid a total of $13.6 billion in income taxes over those five years. But given how much they saw their fortunes rise, it only amounts to a true tax rate of 3.4%. And so again, the average American often pays around 14% right. in income taxes of their you know, approximately $70,000 for the household. Right. So that's pretty small in comparison. Yes, yes. And how do they do this? How do they do this? How, how do the wealthiest Americans get away with doing this? Well, there's a number of ways, as described in this ProPublica report that came out this week again called, among other things, The Secret IRS Files by Jesse Eisner, among others. And one of the ways that the wealthiest get away with this, this is so fascinating to me. This is so fascinating. So the wealthy get away with paying low income taxes by having low income low income this is how you get folks like donald trump waiving his income as president say no i don't need the hundred and eighty thousand dollars of income he, you know he does that to seem folksy and and good for for the american people but no this is how you also get ceos mark zuckerberg saying no one dollar salary give me a one dollar salary they don't want a salary like you and i get because they don't want to be taxed on it they lose money if they get an income. Right. The wealthy try to avoid getting income. Well, how do they pay their bills then? If you're not getting an income, how do you go buy your milk and eggs at the store? How do you pay your, your, your car insurance? How do you pay for your health care? What they do is they take out loans. Low interest loans. Low interest loans from banks. So the interest rate in the United States has been very low ever since the Great Recession. Very, very low. So if you want to borrow money... Now's a great time on paper to borrow money. You borrow a ton of money, interest is relatively low. Unless you're going to grad school. <laughs> just, you know, just saying. Yeah, right. Well, for the wealthy. And so they can, the wealthy can borrow very low interest loans from banks by using their wealth as essentially an IOU. You know, in school, when you asked a teacher for a pencil, and your teacher was like, you can have this pencil, but you got to leave me your left shoe. And I'll give you your left shoe back when you return your pencil. No, that never happened to me. <laughs> Matt, you always had your pencils? No, I, I, wasn't, wear shoes. I wasn't bullied by my, my teachers as a child. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, the same thing happens when you test drive a car. You know, you have mm -hmm. to leave a copy of your license. So if you drive off with the car, they know how to find you. And they can, you know, they can get your car back. Right. So collateral. Exactly. The Correct. word is collateral. The wealthy use their assets as collateral. So they tell the bank, you know, well, hey, you can write off. I've bought the last rhinoceros. I'll hedge it against this loan you're giving me. <laughs> there so, aren't any more. So. 
So, hey, bank, you give me X number of thousands of dollars of low interest loans. We'll use my couple billion dollars in stock options here as collateral to say, you know, in case I don't pay back your loans, I'm, you know, you can leverage some some money off of these these assets that I have. And therefore, the wealthy get to use loans as income. And guess what? Loans are not taxed as income. You go to the bank, you take out $100,000 loans. Come April, you pay your income taxes. You're not reporting that $100,000 loans from bank. Not only, not only that, but you're also getting a credit on the interest that you pay on each loan. Exactly. If anything, the loans lower your tax burden even more because of the interest you pay back on it. Exactly, Mary. Can you and I do this? I mean, probably to some extent. Well, you- yeah. I mean, we pay student loans. We are able to claim a tax on the interest that we've paid on our student loans. But for us, we're not getting that benefit because we don't have the collateral that will allow us to get a low interest loan in the first place. If we're taking out a loan, it's because we need the money because we don't have it. We can't get a right. low interest loan because we don't have the collateral. Exactly. That's the difference, Mary, is that, you know, absolutely, we can take out loans. We can use that as income if we want. The problem is we, we don't have the means to pay it back. The wealthy can take out loans in perpetuity and yeah. pay it back whenever they want. You know why? Because if you have a billion dollars, you will never be able to spend that money in your entire lifetime. Take Jeff Bezos, $200 billion. And I mean actually spend it like you live your life. Not like get, you know setting up these fancy philanthropies or charities or uh, different schemes to launder money through. I'm saying like you're living your life. You got to like, you know, go travel every now and then buy some things and, and just live your life, you know, own a home. The wealthy will never be able to spend all the money that they have. So it's infinite money scheme, infinite money scheme that they use to abscond from paying taxes. I think a good way of uh, looking at this, unless I'm completely wrong about it, is that it's just a way for the wealthy to access the wealth that they already have without having to pay taxes on it. Yeah. And and why is because, you know, Jeff Bezos doesn't actually have $200 billion in his bank account. It's it's most of his wealth is called unrealized, meaning it's not liquid. He can't sort of cash it in. He can't withdraw $200 billion and go to the casino the next day. Just like N- uh, NFTs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Non-fungible transfers. Exactly. Tokens. Uh, tokens. Yeah. He would have to sell a lot of his assets and his stocks and et cetera. And then that would be taxed. That would be taxed. So he doesn't want to do that. But then he would have those realized gains and and use that money, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of unrealized gains. But Matt, as you're describing, the wealthy can take these low interest loans from banks by using their unrealized capital as collateral to essentially access unrealized money. (laughs) Is that complicated? Yeah, it is complicated. Does it happen all the time for these folks? Yeah, it does. So does it matter for us? Yeah, because our t- the IRS estimates that annually there's $350 billion at least that is not being collected in taxes. $350 billion. That is four times the entire federal education budget. You know, at least. So uh, it really does matter. It's really quite incredible. Just a reminder, we're talking about bombshell reporting this week by ProPublica. The title of the article is The Secret IRS Files, Trove of Never-Before-Seen Records Reveal How the Wealthiest Avoid Income Tax. It's by Jesse Eisner, Jeff Ernsthausen, and Paul Keel. Highly recommend reading that. And you're listening to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM, 
WXIR in Rochester. We'd love to hear from you as we talk about how Newsflash, the wealthiest individuals, do not pay their fair share of income and wealth taxes. You can let us know your thoughts, 585-219-8889, 585-219-8889. You can also comment with us at our Facebook page where we're also live streaming in WXIR Studios by going to our Facebook page at Radio EOD. A few more findings from this ProPublica article. Oh, golly. Mary, there are, well, we won't get into the sort of the history of where the unrealized gangs and a lot of these tax loopholes come from. I see you have a note here, though, Mary, that this has been on our radar for a long time. These loopholes that allow the wealthy to not pay their fair share of taxes and, well, to get away with essentially hiding their wealth and not sharing it with the rest of society. It's been on our radar at least since the Lyndon Johnson administration Mm -hmm. in the 1960s. Back then, there was a report that came out by then Treasury Secretary revealing that 155 Americans of the time making over $200,000. In today's money, that would be millionaires. So 155 Americans, millionaires at that time, had paid no taxes. That was also during the Vietnam War. Yeah, and this was a really fascinating part because what came up out of that was he was warning Congress saying that, hey, you know, if we don't do anything about this, if we don't reform our income tax and we keep letting these millionaires pay no income taxes, we're going to face a taxpayer revolt. And it turns out that members of Congress that year, so again, this was during the Vietnam War, which was extremely controversial, members of Congress received more letters, more angry letters about tax laws than about the Vietnam War. And I'm sure they received a lot about the <laughs> Vietnam War. <laughs> so that's a, it's a pretty, big, a pretty big thing. But we haven't heard about a tax revolt this time. So maybe it's something we should start bringing up. Come on, America. Get your act together. Stop posting angry emails at MAGA <laughs> heads on Twitter. MAGA and, and write to Chuck Schumer. <laughs> hey, Chuck. <laughs> Reform this tax system for us, please. No, Mary, jokes aside, it's, yes, absolutely. It's a really serious time. There's a high leverage opportunity that we have right now to finally reform our tax system. You know why? Because a lot of folks in the Biden administration are proposing changes to the tax system. A lot, what gets covered in the news is that Joe Biden is proposing to pay for infrastructure by raising the top marginal tax rate from... 37%, which we just covered, isn't what the wealthy pay anyways, to 39.6%. Oh, man! (laughs) Slow down, folks. The wealthy are really going bankrupt out of this once we raise their top tax rate. 2.6% off what if they're already not paying. Right, because we already covered they're paying uh, an average tax share of 3%. If they're paying at all. What's 2% of zero? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if zero is under the line, it's undefined, Matt. That's all I remember from math in high school. <laughs> so I hope you learned that before high school. So, so right. this is what, got, what gets covered in the news, where Joe Biden is the, the big bad socialist raising top marginal tax rates 2.6% on people who don't pay it anyways. Yeah, that makes them smart, by the way. Just thought I'd 
throwing that little nugget. <laughs> yeah, as, as Trump would say, I don't pay t- not paying taxes makes me smart. Sure, it does. It also makes you a, never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's public radio here. So, uh, what? However, the Biden administration is also proposing to change many of the loopholes that allow the wealthiest individuals to abscond from paying taxes. These are the things that don't get covered as much because they're not as sexy to talk about. They're complicated to talk about, but it's really important. Do I have high hopes that the Biden administration will successfully make these changes? No, because... uh, Well, they're all wealthy, too. Ah, I'm waiting to hear what the Senate parliamentarian says about this. (laughs) I don't have high hopes because... The 50 Republican senators and however many in the House, you can sure as heck bet not a single one of them will vote to reform taxes because the Republican strategy for the past, um, you know, modern decades of their inception has been to allow there to be an American aristocracy that uh, that disguises itself through the lens of folksy populism and, and supporting small C conservative values. They don't care about that at all. The, 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 the Republican elite actually care about making the U.S. be an aristocracy and destroying democracy. That's what the Republicans stand for, in in my opinion. I think it's very clearly borne out by their actions. But the Democrats, too, we've covered on the show how how Democrats in Congress have taken in uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of lobbying efforts by the by the tax lobby and have helped to pass many of the things that have allowed the wealthy to abscond from paying their fair share of taxes yeah partially because they're part of the wealthy people who are doing so who are getting money from it so what is their incentive to you know change those laws this is great so from a different new york times article one of the others that we want to cover throughout the hour this one's called uh, private inequity how a powerful industry conquered the tax system. This one's by Jesse Drucker and Danny Hakim. It's about the private equity industry. Private equity is essentially <laughs> uh, made up of people who don't produce a lot of value for society, but who are exorbitantly wealthy. It's like flipping houses, but instead they flip companies, mm-hmm. where they buy up uh, they buy up companies, they gut them, and then they resell them for a profit. Uh, for themselves and oftentimes leaving the company or the original owners of them at at a loss. Private equity, good stuff. Uh, In that article, in the New York Times article, they talk about how the Obama administration had tried to close some of the loopholes that allow the wealthiest individuals, specifically the the private equity industry, to not pay their fair share of billions of dollars in taxes each year. Some of the loopholes are called the carried interest loophole. They're called fee waivers. And so two of Obama's treasury secretaries at the time who were trying to, well, who were working with other, mainly Democrats, well, all Democrats to reform the tax system, two of Obama's treasury secretaries who were responsible for trying to crack down on the tax avoidance schemes ended up joining private equity after they left office. That's like... That's like exactly what I was talking about in in last week's episode when we were covering fulfillment and there were these people who'd worked for the government to save the government money and then went and worked for Amazon. Oh, it's like a, these people are often the same people. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah. It's so like what they do. It's like they get really good at doing something for the government and they're like, hey, what if I saved a company this money instead? Yep. Because <laughs> I can get paid more doing that. It's the same schmucks who just 
devote their entire life and intellect to figuring out how to make as much money as possible that produces as little societal benefit as possible. That's that's like the game, you know? Yeah. That's the game, and that's what they do. Two of Democratic Obama's Treasury Secretaries and so many others, you know, who are in these influential positions. Steven Mnuchin, the last Treasury Secretary that we had who for four years served under Donald Trump, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he, he comes out of those industries, and he is now back in, in the, of course, private financing system. Uh, do you remember a guy called Mitt Romney? Of course. <laughs> the Republican How nominee for president who's now been castigated by the Trumpian party of, of Republicanism. Yeah, in 2012, when he was running for president, he came out of private equity. He was a private equity manager. It's all the same people. That gave rise to his uh, nickname at the time, which was uh, Our Money. <laughs> our I money. didn't hear that actually. Oh, that's good though. It's amazing. Yeah. So, re- really interesting reporting. The, the New York Times article goes into some other ways the private equity system absconds itself from paying taxes. This this quote is great though. So, uh, the IRS has been testifying to Congress as a result of some of these leaked IRS documents that, again, ProPublica reported on, as we just covered. This week on Tuesday, in a a testimony to the Senate Finance Committee, IRS Commissioner Charles Reddig said, quote, if you're a wealthy cheat in a, uh, my words here to, to bridge it, a private equity firm, your odds of getting audited are slightly higher than your odds of getting hit by a meteorite. (laughs) Oh, boy. He said that to the Senate this week. Your odds of getting audited if you're a private, or if you're a wealthy billionaire in private equity are are higher than your odds of getting hit by a meteorite. Slightly. (laughs) Slightly higher. (laughs) It's it's amazing. I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of people getting hit by meteorites lately, so uh, guessing that's a pretty low, pretty low odds. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of reports how we got to be worried about space junk, because not only have we littered planet Earth, but we also have littered the, littered the stars. <laughs> well, there was that, uh, wasn't there like a Chinese satellite recently or something? Yeah, I mean, that sort of fell back to Earth. Yeah, it was, a, I think their second, at least in five years, of, of Chinese satellites that have crash back down to earth but but also there's like this sort of like how saturn has the ring of sort of yeah we have like a ring of junk (laughs) crap like wegman's wrappers up no i'm kidding (laughs) no it's like it's you know like space debris it's just like little silicon platelets and and just crap up there yeah Yeah, probably the odds of getting hit by a meteorite will rise once uh bezos and and musk start going to space he's doing that next month i know that's what i'm saying I, I, he, he talked about how, like, it's, a, it's always been a dream of his to go to space. And I like to imagine that he's not going up there to fulfill some childhood dream. It's just because he wants to, like, build banks at the L4 and L5 Lagrange points. <laughs> They're going to be called, like, Amazon Banks & Co. That's a Gundam reference. Nobody's going to get that. He's going to get super, like... He's like, you guys have heard of offshore banking. Have you heard of off-planet banking? <laughs> up there, when he takes out his, his loans, you know, <laughs> to to fund his lifestyle from from banks instead of having interest it'll just be the reverse well the banks will just pay him for for lending out their money banks are like i'm interested in you (laughs) your collateral mr bezos you know i was wondering last night kind of wondering out loud as i was reading these as to why these multi-billionaires are so obsessed with going to space like musk thinks that you know there's no humans have to become a, a multi-planetary species in order to survive but it's like why 
Why do you? Because we consume everything. <sighs> well, that's because they, they lack the foresight to realize that their lifestyle is perpetuating the planet's decline and that they are, they lack the imagination. No, that they do recognize that. They just don't want to change it. Like, R- right. Like, if we have a future, the future that they imagine is the one in dead space where we fly <laughs> around un- the universe just blowing up planets so that we can mine the resources. <laughs> extracting resources. Yeah. Unobtainium. Planet cracking. <laughs> they, they lack the imagination to realize that they could use their wealth to fund social services that would actually solve the problems that we have as a society. And I don't know if they lack it. I think that they don't think that's I, imaginative. I just don't like they, they don't want to. No, I, I really think they... No, I, I think the wealthy either... I think these people, the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musks, either they're so in their own lifestyle and and fantasy of personal success and hard work that they just really think that they don't have a responsibility. Like, they don't. it doesn't even come to them that they could use their wealth to fund the government or social services or something like that. Well, clearly, because yeah. they don't pay taxes and they try very hard to not pay taxes. Yeah, they, they all, like, they believe that personal, like, they believe that their personal success, right, has gotten them to where they are. And therefore, they believe that it's their personal ingenuity to figure out how to solve society's problems. They don't believe in collectivism. They don't believe in society. That's why Jeff Bezos creates a $10 billion climate change fund that just, that just you know, has his own selected team of people figuring out what the best ways to, to solve climate change is. The government can do that work. The government the has the scientists. It has the experts to do that. Yeah, build a seawall to keep out the kaijus. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they literally just don't see collectivism or society or the role of government in making a change. Well, sure. I mean, that's the whole thought process behind philanthropy, as we've yeah. talked about before. With even like back to Carnegie and Rockefeller, as you mentioned earlier in the show, they that's what they did is instead of giving that money to the government, they were like, no, I can, I personally, instead of having people vote on things and come up with it as a collective, I myself can decide the best way to use this money. Yep. Which often is not the best way. But you know, I, I think that they're making a lot of progress in space travel, by the way, uh, the federal government made a whole heck of a lot of progress in space travel. When we went to the moon, when we actually invested, when we were in a cold war. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When when we had a, an adversary to fight. The the government can do that work too. If it was funded, NASA's budget has been gutted. We've given up on NASA, on our government flying rockets and investing in space travel. We've given up on that because the Republicans and Democrats too have pushed austerity budgets that don't believe in the government doing something. Oh, we were also in a rocket measuring contest with uh, our mortal adversaries. (laughs) To see whose rocket is bigger. Yeah, (laughs) of course. And I mean, even in the last year, we can see what the government is capable of doing when it invests in something, yeah. you know, like trying to find a vaccine and get it out. Yep. We can see how effective it is yep. when we decide to do something. A government-led effort created a vaccine in less than a year. Yeah. And I mean, wouldn't it be nice if like our governing body was actually able to make decisions together and, and get things done? Because it seems like that's a holdup. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm not going, I understand a counter argument to say that you need private financing to do things faster and more ingenious of a way than to cut through the red tape of bureaucracy and government. I totally hear that argument. And I agree with that to some extent. But I don't think that argument and that caution allows such a system that we have where the wealthy 
just get away with hundreds of billions of dollars, you know, in collective profit that aren't going back invested into civil society. The perfect example of this is our current fighting over infrastructure. We're both Democrats and Republicans for decades have said, you know, the most popular thing to say is let's invest in roads, bridges, schools, and hospitals. Do, have they ever passed anything substantive to fix that? No, because you know why? In order to do so, you would have to change the tax system. And they're unwilling to do that. I think the irony, or at least an irony that I'm, I'm picking up on, is that, you know, a lot of these uh, billionaires, they probably uh, are disinterested to some extent in in paying taxes and in funding uh, and, and in, in sort of funding government because they, they see it as bureaucratic and as a, um, it's just more expedient to take matters into your own hands. But, you know... Their lobbying efforts are part of the gumming up of that bureaucracy. Yep. Yeah, they they are the gumming up, partly, of the government bureaucracy. Well, and is that even unintentional? As we, or as you discussed several weeks ago, you know, the IRS hasn't been able to audit these billionaires for years because their own resources have been cut. And this yeah. is, it is this cycle again of, hey, here's this, here's this department that has a function. And then they're like, no, it's doing the function too well. We have to take away its budget so it can't function as well. And then, oh, no, there's this department that doesn't do the function it's supposed to do. Therefore, we should get rid of it. And it's bad because yeah. it's not doing its job. But meanwhile, yeah. they have been the ones who cut the funding in the first place. And it's just like that over and over again. So like, yes, government is defunct and not doing that much, but that's because we've made it do that. Yeah. That's the Republican playbook. This is what Paul Ryan, the former Speaker of the House and vice presidential candidate in 2000 and Oh my God, I forgot he ran for president. 2012. 2012 with with Mitt Romney. Yeah, that's the Republican playbook. And he was one of the architects of it is to force austerity budgets. Mm -hmm. So low government spending, that way the government fails, and then Republicans can say, government sucks. Look at how bad government is. We need private people, private investment, private corporations to do the work because government sucks. You know why government sucks? Because they made it suck. They suck! Oh <laughs> that's that's going to blow up the, the speakers there. So, not good. But, hey... I wanted to get to the IRS piece, Mary. Just a reminder that you're tuned into Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. Share your thoughts with us, 585-219-8889. Mary, we did cover, I believe, a few weeks ago, maybe not, through uh, talking about the IRS. ProPublica has done extensive reporting on the hamstringing of the IRS over the past 10 years, their budget has been slashed, driven by Republicans. The number of revenue agents employed by the IRS has decreased by 43% over the past 10 years. In 2012, the IRS audited over 90% of the largest corporations and uncovered $10 billion in unreported tax obligations. That's back in 2012. Now, the IRS audits of wealthiest corporations has fallen over 50%. So more and more and more wealthy corporations get, a, get avoid being audited. And audited also doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to pay more. If it's found that they're doing all of this legally, that just means that the IRS reviews it, I think, right? Yep. Yep. You're just reviewing. You're just checking. So it doesn't work. even mean that any of this is actually going to come into 
being paid more. It just means that those illegal things that are happening. And as we looked at in the ProPublica article, many of the things that people are avoiding are through legal loopholes. They're not illegal. So when the IRS looks at them, they can't really do anything about it. Yep. Less than 2% of millionaires were audited by the IRS last year. Less than 2% of millionaires. The average American is audited by the IRS more than the millionaires and billionaires. That makes no sense because the millionaires and billionaires are using all of these complex systems to avoid paying taxes. They have the resources to do so, and they have the biggest bang for their buck for the IRS to audit. Hey, good news, though. The Biden administration has proposed to drastically increase the funding of the IRS and to hire substantially more IRS agents. Republicans have been vehemently opposed to this in in Congress. Not only are they opposed to raising taxes, they are opposed to funding the IRS. Indeed, let's listen to a, I know we're going to get free airtime for this conservative ad, but I think it's worth 30 seconds. Let's listen to a ad that the Republicans are, are airing right now to argue why <laughs> having a functioning IRS is bad. Let's listen. If Joe Biden gets his way, they're coming. IRS agents. Biden's massive tax increase plan includes a staggering $80 billion to help recruit an army of IRS agents. Agents aggressively coming for every dime they can grab at your house and at our small businesses. The new America, where congressional Democrats want to defund the police and Biden wants to add thousands of IRS agents. Call Congressman Cartwright and tell him to oppose Biden's punishing tax plan. Oh, I'm going to call Congressman Cartwright from Pennsylvania already. <laughs> oh, tell him something. my gosh. <laughs> That's what they're airing right now. <laughs> I don't, I love the, the bloody modern right-wing like mindset. It's just like perfect. It's somehow perfectly double thinks like both respect and fear for authority. It's like love the police, but don't fund the government because the IRS is going to create an army that will come and yeah imperial death march its way through your neighborhood the only government conservatives like is like dudes with guns <laughs> military and police like what what else is the government for you just want dudes with guns i just want <laughs> i just want people who can legally kill people not people that can like you know <laughs> seize my assets because the whole point of conservative philosophy coming. is that you just use your uh, inherited power to <laughs> keep everyone under your boot or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this oh army goodness. of IRS agents are, are going to come for all of us in our households, in our small businesses, and take all of our money. Not the wealthiest money, of course. No. Not these hundreds of billions of dollars that the wealthy avoid paying in taxes every year. Well, the thing is, too, though, those arguments are super effective. Yeah. I mean, like, that's how Trump got voted into office. People are like, oh, he's not going to raise taxes. And, yeah, you so know, like, I don't want my taxes to get risen. And, like, I don't want people who are low income to have to raise their taxes either because they're already paying way more than wealthy people are. Sure, but Joe <laughs> Biden's not proposing to raise taxes no, on the lowest incomes. And also, increasing IRS agents would not affect the, the, the middle to low income Americans. No, but it's a fear tactic that does work. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, right. you know, because yeah. people well, are people, listening to evidence of design. The people who are like, I guess, most susceptible to this kind of ad, they probably know a police officer. Oh, yeah. Probably don't know an IRS agent. Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there aren't very many anymore. Right. Probably, right. Probably because it's not funded. Because <laughs> there's like three. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I did like the the sort of Star Wars esque theme in that, though. I was imagining Darth Vader walking down with the army of IRS agents behind him. You yeah. think that's in Joe Biden's budget? Because that, that would make me happy. Well, no, that's what Bezos is doing. Um, He's getting his mask made now. So the video for that ad is just a bunch of like men in suits goose stepping <laughs> for as the IRS of agents. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> why wouldn't I, I'm a little disappointed that it's not people dressed in like Antifa shirts. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of funny actually that they would say you know the. Democrats want to defund the police. Meanwhile, they use a militaresque visual as a They would just use the police. <laughs> like, they don't need to make the another... Same thing. We already have a standing army <laughs> to, to send in. You don't need to make another one. Wait, I have a perfect solution to all of this. All so right, all right. this is going to bring everyone together. I propose that police officers become IRS agents. Therefore... If you're a Blue Lives Matter person, we are not getting rid of police officers' jobs. They were going to have still honest public serving jobs. And if you're a defund the police person, the police are no longer doing their protect and serve work. They're doing uh, audit and collect <laughs> for the IRS. <laughs> so I, I'm running for office. Um, <laughs> speaking of running for office, folks, on Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM, WXIR in Rochester, we wanted to reserve the last 10 minutes of today's show to talk about, again, how local elections are coming up and other civic initiatives that you can participate in. Still not too late to call in quickly at 585-219-8889 or comment on our live streaming Facebook page at Radio EOD. We covered for the past hour Bombshell reporting by ProPublica this week, among others, on how the wealthiest individuals avoid paying income, their fair share of income and wealth taxes. Let's pivot now and talk about the fact that the June 22nd primaries in New York State are right around the corner. Indeed, guess what today is? The first day of early voting. Woo-hoo. Right now, if you're listening live, you can go vote here in Monroe County. Where can you vote? Well... Aren't you lucky I'm reading off of the Monroe County Board of Elections early voting webpage? You can vote at the following locations. The David F. Gant Community Center, the Boys and Girls Club, Sibley Square, Edgerton Rec Center, Norton Village Rec Center, SUNY Empire State College, Town of Chile Senior Center, North, Greed, North Greece Road Church of Christ, <laughs> you know, Henrietta Public Library, Arondequite Public Library, the PCC Community Room, whatever that is in Penfield, Parenton Square Mall, Sweden Clarkson Community Center, and the Webster Library. Matt, you've heard of that. So, hey, you can go vote right now. So, quick question. Uh, if you are, for example, if you want to vote at the Webster Library, do you have to be a Webster resident, or can you vote at any of those? My understanding, Mary, is that you can vote early at any of those locations. That's my wee little understanding. Right on. I believe that's what happened last early voting. Yes. Early voting will be going now, today, Saturday, June 12th, through next Sunday, June 20th. So we have all of this week to vote early. Today's polling is open from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. So there's still three hours to go vote today, and you can vote at any time throughout the next week at the aforementioned location. Well, not at any time. You can vote any day throughout the next week at the aforementioned locations. The primary election day is actually on Tuesday, June 22nd, 
But why wait until then when you can vote throughout the next week? And how can people figure out who they are going to be voting for? Like who is on the ballot? Mary, that is a great question. The only thing worse than not going to vote is going to vote and not knowing who you're voting for. And how you can solve that? You can go to monroecounty.gov forward slash elections and you can find out who is on your ballot. All you got to do is click that giant blue button that appears on monroecounty.gov forward slash elections. Actually, there's a blue button and a red button. They're ginormous at the very top. You click that, and then you can check your ballot. You will see your ballot that you will receive at the polling location. You will see where your actual voting polling place is on June 22nd. You can see your ballot right now at monroecounty.gov forward slash elections. That's really great because there are a lot of offices open uh, you know, for the election this year, including the mayor of the city of Rochester, city council, the RCSD school board, county legislators, and many county court judges, and also many folks in the surrounding suburbs. MonroeCounty.gov forward slash elections. Early voting starts today, right now. It's on. There's a few other civic opportunities that we wanted to bring up, we covered in the past couple weeks. One, the Joe Biden and Democrats, and I say that because Republicans didn't have a single vote for this, (laughs) they passed the American Rescue Plan in March, and the city is receiving $202 million from the American Rescue Plan and highly discretionary funding. The RCSD is receiving around $197 million. Monroe County is receiving around $147 million. Taken together, that's over half a billion dollars in funding, highly discretionary funding that the Rochester region is receiving. That is the amount of money that Jeff Bezos avoids paying in taxes in 10 minutes. Just kidding. But it kind of speaks to that volume. You can share your thoughts with the aforementioned organizations. Go to the RCSD webpage, Google RCSD ARP, that stands for American Rescue Plan, and you can, solic- you can give your feedback to them on how you think the RCSD should spend its American Rescue Plan funding. You can also do the same for the City of Rochester, Google City of Rochester ARP, and you can share your feedback with the City of Rochester there. The last of which that we covered last week is the new... Oh, I don't even have my notes up. I don't even remember what it was called. Something about food. Oh, the Food Policy Council. Food Policy Council. (laughs) That was recently passed by City Council, and they are seeking applications to be one of the 10 voting members on the Food Policy Council. Google Rochester Food Policy Council. You'll see the application there. The only requirement is that you have to be a city resident. If you get that then you can apply to be a member of the Food Policy Council and advocate for food policy changes in Rochester region that are more equitable, healthy, and sustainable. So the primary elections, the American Rescue Plan funding, the Food Policy Council, and also, gosh darn it, organizing ourselves, just like in the 1960s, to write to Congress to be like, hey, you know what stinks the Vietnam War? You know what also stinks the fact that the wealthy don't pay the fair share of income and wealth taxes? Mm-hmm. Sounds like good to me. I would encourage folks, if you have the time, ProPublica, the secret IRS files, trove of never-before-seen records reveal how the wealthiest avoid income tax. Came out this week, Jesse Eisner, Jeff Ernsthausen, and Paul Keel. Jeff, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your last name. 
We gotta roll, folks. Thanks so much for tuning to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. Thank you, WXIR, for being a great platform for Grassroots Community Radio Station. Check out the web. Check out WXIR's webpage at 1009WXIR.com. I was your host, Jason Taylor, joined with my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. I'm drafting my Vietnam protest or letter. <laughs> Mitt Romney's going to receive that and be like, well, yeah, I, Vietnam War is still happening. <laughs> I, I also just want to, real quick, just wish, and I know it's a month away, but I want to wish a speedy and safe journey to Jeff Bezos as he enters space. I hope nothing bad happens. <laughs> I hope nothing bad happens. Indeed. And Mary Lawrence. All right. Have a great day. You can find our past episodes anywhere you get your podcast, Evidence of Design.